Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alvstead, here with Keith Myers. Today we're talking salary cap stuff, so it's going to be a very exciting show. We're talking all the finance stuff and the accountant things and the behind-the-scenes money-dealing type things that go on in the NFL and um, how it's all going to work this year with COVID-19. We're going to talk about a big trade in the NFC West that uh, has an impact on a, on a division rival. And then we're going to get into the, uh, the um, offensive coordinator uh, spot with Shane Waldron. We're going to have that uh, little discussion, and that's going to lead us into the, the salary cap portion of the show, which is our main event. So without further ado, Keith, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. This has been a, been a good week. It's been um, – they finally got the off- offensive coordinator thing done. We now know why it took so long and feel good about how that went down. And It's probably and, about as good as it could have gone. Yeah, I'm really, it really turned out well for the team um, in a lot of different ways. And uh, ultimately, I mean, the offseason's off to a good start. Let's just go with that. And there's still a lot of stuff to be done, which is why we have – uh, this show today, uh, because it's going to set the scene for all the work that needs to be done. But yeah. the first big piece is taken care of. Well, it's interesting because uh, we've in the last couple of shows we've talked about the, the, the coaches last week, and then the prior show we talked about uh, uh, the roster evaluation. Uh, kind of went through all the all the different guys uh, that are going to be on the roster. And talked about the holes, kind of establishing the need of the offseason. This is going to take it a little further. It's going to it's going to bring all the money into it. Find out where the team's at with the the cap. Uh, I'm sure by now everybody's probably heard that uh, it's pretty tight. And then you add that with the uh, to the um, the limited draft picks, and everyone's kind of wondering what's going to happen. And hopefully by the end of the show today, we can kind of establish that it's not really quite as bad as it looks and there's a lot of things that the Seahawks can do to uh, manipulate those numbers and um, and hopefully uh, put a really solid team together this year so let's get into it NFC West news um, what did you think of the Los Angeles Rams trading Jared Goff two first round picks and a third to Detroit for Matthew Stafford I this is this was Bafflingly dumb is that's that's what I thought. Um, first that's of all, a lot. that's a lot of money. You know, it's a, they I think they gave away one of those first round picks just to take Jared Goff's contract. I kid yeah. you not. No, and I I would actually say that you're you're right because getting rid of Jared Goff's contract was imperative. And by um, that they gave alone, a, almost makes it a toss up for me. They they got a I mean because Goff's contract was arguably the worst contract in the NFL. Um, and what you were getting value wise out of his production versus the value the dollar amount of that contract and the, and the amount of time that had left on it. Oof. Yeah. They were going to be hurting if they had to keep Goff for the next two or three years as their quarterback, they would have been stuck in this range where they, they were not going to get any better. I don't think. Yeah. And well, that's the problem though, is they aren't going to get any better anyway. Um, 
And the reason why I thought it was it was it was just brutally bad for them was you take on a big contract. Yes, you get rid of a big contract, um, but what you don't account for there is all the dead money in his signing bonus that still had yet to accrue onto his salary cap space. So you have to eat that right now. So they got rid of the guaranteed salary, um, which is why so by trading him and not cutting him, they didn't have to eat that part as well. Um, but they still had to eat the part of the signing bonus. So uh, between Stafford, who's older, you only got for two years, um, and the dead money, he's now, like, that's going to account for, I think it's like 28% of their salary cap. Yeah, plus you got Gurley on there in 2021, uh, dead money of $8,400,000 8, as well. Now they yep. And they just had... What was their wide receiver that they they got rid of uh, a little while ago? I think that they had some dead money. Brandon Cooks, they had some dead money, but that 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 was like eight million dollars of dead but, money last year. Yeah, but that that was this last season. It's not right now. Right, so, right, um, right. Nonetheless, they're they're looking at uh, being um, right now thirty one million dollars over the cap. Yeah, and so you've got um, between with Stafford, um, all the dead money that they've got for from Goff and Gurley. And then uh, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, you've eaten up over half of your team salary cap on three players. That's brutal. That and, is brutal for any team to be yeah. competitive. You know, I mean, they're looking at trying to retain like a guy like Leonard Floyd and uh, and some others. But they can't. Um, they and can't. They, sign, and they can't. They can't sign any of them. Uh, to any kind of deal right now because they're over the cap. They've got to jettison $30 million worth of salary that is currently un- on the roster, not their, not their unrestricted free agents, people who are currently signed for next year, mm-hmm. just to get under the cap. And then you've got to replace all those people you jettisoned and all the people who are supposed to be unrestricted free agents. They are going to have no middle class. They are going to have a ton of people... Um, undrafted rookie free agents, vet minimum guys, uh, and nothing else because they yeah. can't afford anything. Else. Well, and they don't have a lot of contracts that, that look like they can be restructured either. They're upside Mm-mm. down on four or five deals as it is right now. I mean, basically the entire top of their roster, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods all have contracts that uh, if you were to cut them, uh, you would you would lose money. You would have yeah. more dead money than you would save almost. Yeah, so you, and, you end up uh, you end up making your cap situation worse by losing them. Yeah, and so, so they're they're in a tough spot. They're in a very tough spot. And who, um, who cares about them? <laughs> <laughs> you know what they they were they they made the playoffs barely, um, but they beat Seattle in the playoffs. Yeah, and so, so yeah, we do we do care about them. Yeah. So okay. So well, what do you think? Let me before we get to the the offensive coordinator um, part of this this little segment, we'll kind of transition from the Rams into that. But I wanted to talk about Matthew Stafford for a minute and ask you what your opinion is of Stafford. Is he a guy that just throws for a bunch of empty yards? Or is he a legitimate quarterback in this division that's going to make the Rams better and allow them to do things on their offensive side of the ball as far as explosive plays that they weren't able to do with Goff? Uh, Stafford is one of the more underrated quarterbacks and he's in all, the NFL. He's only Russell Wilson's age. Yeah. Um, I always thought he was a little older than that because he came into the, into the league in 2009 and Wilson came into the league in 2012. Um, 
that three years makes you think, wow, he's been in the league forever. But yeah, but he came into the league super young. Um, and he's played for, he's played for, I mean, I know the Jets exist, but until recently, and even still, even recently, uh, the, the Lions have been one of the worst run franchises in sports, of any sport. Um, and yeah, I know the Jets exist, so they're maybe not number one, but they're up there. Uh, and he hasn't had a lot of talent around him. There was like one, there was one year when they had a really good defense and he had Megatron with them. And you're thinking, okay, this is a team that could, you know, do something. And they didn't win a playoff game. Was that game the that year, year. that Cliff Averill ended, uh, in Detroit and came then to Seattle? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the end of all of that. They were basically, he, he had a reasonable roster around him once in his time in Detroit. And that is kind of like that'll tell you why people don't think much of Stafford but you could watch him on tape and he makes a lot of throws that guys can't the guy's got a freaking cannon for an arm um he can he can rifle things into the smallest windows um that other guys can't they just can't ball there it'll be interesting you know because in this offense I don't think he needs to do quite as much as he used to do he can play within the offense in the within the structure and uh, still I'll be able to be allowed to, to have some explosive opportunities uh, placed downfield. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how their wide receivers, I mean, Cooper Cup's going to be his best friend. That guy's, that, that tandem Actually, right Robert there is going to be. Woods is going to be. Yeah, uh, well, he's going to have improved production he, as well. He's probably going to be the biggest recipient of that trade because, you know, Cooper Cup, is a dump who off he guy. is right? right? He's a guy. A lot of stuff in the middle of the field, yeah, underneath, right, right, right. and that's that's where he made his his living, and he's going to continue to make his living there. But Goff just could not get the ball down the field to Woods. Uh, there were so many yards and so many touchdowns left on the field because Goff Goff just couldn't get the ball there. And now he's got a legit quarterback throwing him to the ball. You're going to see a huge increase in his stats, provided he stays he stays healthy. But um, ultimately though, the success of that team overall is going to depend on the rest of the talent because those three guys are going to be there and the stars on defense are going to be there. But if you have Aaron Donald, but you don't have Floyd or any of the other guys around him, does it you know, matter? Their uh, safety Johnson, that guy's going to get paid this year and isn't going to be it's, from the Rams. It's not going to, yeah. It's not he was one of the Rams. best safeties in the league, I thought. Yep. And, um, they're, you know, they're going to lose the other cornerback opposite, um, um, Ramsey. They're going to lose two of their linebackers. They're going to lose Brockers up front. Um, you know, their, their defense especially is going to be decimated by the salary cap issues that they have. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what they do. We'll see how they put it together. But it's going to be well, a Rob, really Rob Havenstein, you know, is going to be expensive. Um, he's got an expensive mm-hmm. cap, but they can save five million dollars against the cap if they if they release him. Um, More than likely, though, they'll extend him and and save four and a half million against the cap, and so they save money. But then they also keep the player, um, and they'll just they'll just kick that can down the road uh, as far as his contract. Yeah. But, but that's, that's four and a half million. They still have 25 million. They have to go find Yeah. Um, that you have to continue to get rid of. And so there's going to be other guys that are going to do that. They yeah. I was actually, thinking like, th- like some linemen like uh, Joseph note bloom and Austin Corbett. Both those mm-hmm. guys have contracts that 
they'll either need to be restructured or or they'll be released. Um, the one and, I would, the thing I would keep in mind is it might actually be Stafford where the money the the, the cap room comes from, and that he's got two years left. They make it three or four, um, and push all the money out in years three and four, mm-hmm. um, and guarantee it so that way you know he knows he's not pushing it out there and then going to get cut and not see it. Um, and then basically pay him nothing this year, um, except for like a big signing bonus to, to take that offer for them. Um, and just push most of his salary cap into next year and get them, you know, 15 million or 20 million in, uh, cap space. It already looks like the Rams. I mean, just looking at their, their cap situation on their top five or six contracts, and it already looks like they've restructured a lot of these deals to have large bonus monies um, paid out this year with low base salary. Um, and so I'm not sure if they can do a lot, but at least with their top big heavy, no. heavy duty contracts. Yeah. But, Cause they've, they've already kicked that can down yes, the street um, totally. already. And it, it's right. reached a point you just can't kick it any farther. Um, and that's actually what the saints are running into uh, right. down in new Orleans. Is they've, well, we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Seattle in that way. Uh, for, for this year as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seattle's looking in pretty good shape with regards to contracts and, and uh, bonus money and, and base salaries and all that kind of stuff. But this year might be the year where they take out the credit card a little bit. We'll, we'll talk about that. But yeah, what yep. were you going to say about New Orleans? So New Orleans has known that their window would close with Drew Brees. And so they have sacrificed their future for their present. Um, and they've done it for the last like four years because as long as he was willing to keep playing, they were going to put a team around him. Um, but they've what reached are they the point, upside down like 110 million or something like that. Yeah. They're, they that's, are, that's nuts. it's, it, it is nuts. And so you're looking at 112 million over the cap. And that is before drew Brees retires. And the mm. way, because they've used his contract mm. by pushing money out into the future um, in order to, continue to make additions and, and keep a, a team around him. They've, they've gone to that, to, you know, his credit card so many times that, that him retiring is going to hurt them in terms of cap room. Yeah. It, it's going to be a lot of more dead money than, than, um, he's got his 20, almost $23 million in dead money. Yeah. So he'll, so, but his cap re- number is 36. So they'll, they will save 13 off of that, but it's only 13 out of 112. And I thought it was going to be the other way around, and they were, um, he was going to cost more than he would, than than the same. Like they would lose cap number. Cap got a dead, they, he's got a thirty six million one hundred fifty thousand dollar cap number, uh, with a twenty two million six hundred fifty thousand in dead money if he was released or cut. Yeah. So what that and thirteen million five hundred thousand in savings. Okay, so it's thirteen Overall. million total. Um, what they might do is is just because of how bad their situation is, they might do have him do that uh, with at June first, um, and make it a June first designation and spread it out. It's split it over two years rather than one, and eat some of it this year and some of it next year, um, just because it's so bad and they have to get rid of so much. Cap yeah, well, so I mean, Quan Quan Alexander for them has a thirteen million dollar cap hit with zero dead money, so he's gone. He didn't mm-hmm. perform up to his contract anyway, and so he's yeah. he's going to be gone. Pretty much, you guys, yeah. Alvin Kamara, who's going to be might there, even be gone. Jared Cook's gone. He's he won't he won't make it. Um, 
you know, most of their, uh, their veteran players that have cuttable contracts, um, you know, yeah. are probably Marshawn gone. Lattimore. Yeah. So Marshawn Michael Lattimore. Thomas is, is, is going to be there. We know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that might be it. <laughs> Well, he's the one locked man in team. too. They, yeah. They'd lose money if they cut him. Um, yeah, interesting. That's Point a horrible, Alex. that's a horrible management. I mean, just looking at the contracts for the New Orleans and right now on online and it's just a horrible looking they, mismanagement. Yeah, Quan Alexander at 13 million will be gone. Ryan Ramchek at 11 million will be gone. Um, Marshawn Lattimore at 10 million mm, yes. will be gone. Right. Um, you know, these are, and then they have, they'll replace those guys. Jared Cook, they'll save, um, Nine million. They're gone. They'll, they'll these guys are going to be cut, but then they're going to have to replace them, and they'll but they'll replace them with veteran minimum guys. And these are big pieces of their puzzle. And so it's not just that Breeze is going to be gone. They're, this team's going to be a shell of what it was this last year. So, yeah. Well, and that's going to be hard. You know, they're going to have to be patient um, in order to make it through, especially if there's no adjustment by the NFL and the Players Association on on the current projection. Yep. Um, let's talk about it. Let's get into the Seahawks stuff. All right, so, um, well, first I want to talk about Shane Waldron a little bit, um, the, the offensive coordinator um, mm-hmm. from the Rams uh, that we hired. And uh, he wasn't an OC for them, but he was their quarterback guy and passing game coordinator, et cetera. And then Andy Dickerson's coming in. He was the assistant offensive line coach. He's been around Shane Waldron for a long time. They talked about going way back to the New England days in the early 2000s. Um, he comes in as the run game coordinator. Uh, so he was the offensive line assistant there. So he does bring some, some, some assistance for Solari in transition, uh, transitioning our offensive line, possibly some of the attributes that we're looking at, especially with the guards and, and tackles, as far as uh, being a little bit more athletic as opposed to a power oriented, uh, big, you know, heavier than, than, uh, that you can be at the guard spot, the better, just so you can truck some guys, um, but it'll be interesting to see if our guys existing on the roster right now can get to the second level and, and all that kind of stuff. We haven't really been asking them to do that. So it'll be interesting to have that conversation a little bit today. Uh, Shane Waldron, let's talk about the, the hire, the process, um, and and what you think that he would bring to this team. And uh, if it's good or if it's meh. Yeah, um, I think it's great. I think it's outstanding. Um, you're talking about a guy who's been with Sean McVay since day one um, in the uh, the Rams organization. He comes in as their passing game coordinator. He's the guy that, um, you know, draws up plays and 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 figures out how to attack defenses and um, in terms of the passing game and loves play action stuff and and the way he uses multiple receivers and shifts and movement in order to get guys open and, and make life easy for a quarterback and, and all of that. And then you bring in with him, you know, a run game coordinator uh, who will help Solari. And I don't think it's as different than what, from what Solari wants um, as people would think, because Solari is his background is outside zone uh, running. This is a more Alex Gibbs style. um, Whereas, the Seahawks have run a lot of inside zone stuff because that's where their talent lied and and the way they had their their guards and stuff, just their talent on offensive line, that's where they went. But to run the Rams offense, 
the way that it's been run, you need more of that outside stretch uh, zone in order to pull off of that with the bootlegs and, and play action stuff the way that the Rams did. And Solari used to run a heavy outside zone you know, running game uh, before coming to Seattle. So I think that it's actually a good fit. And what you're going to have is um, you're, you're basically going to, there is going to be a shift in terms of what they want. You're going to see guys like Lou Potty and Fluker no longer being um, looked at because you're not just going straight ahead. You got to go side to side. And so there is going to be a shift, but it's not going to be as, as drastic as people think. Um, to me, what it said was that Ethan, Ethan Posick's probably going to be back because he is a very good fit for that style of offense with a lot of lateral movement um, rather than asking people to block straight forward. Interesting. So who do you think benefits the most in this offense from Waldron being hired? Uh, my initial response when you thought that was Russell Wilson because he's now going to have a competent scheme to work within one that actually takes advantage of his talents and puts him on the, uh, on the move and, and rolls pockets away from you know, pressure and, and has does plays that are designed to get guys open and, and, and make for easy reads and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't think that's the answer you were looking for. <laughs> well, I think it's beneficial to have that conversation. Like what's the, what's, what's the offense going to look like with Russell Wilson running it? I mean, if you can imagine Russell Wilson dropped into the Rams offense, um, yeah, it's the often what what the Rams do is what and people may not may not picture it and say, oh, well, that's what the Seahawks should do. But when you describe what the Seahawks should do with Russell Wilson, it's yeah, it's somewhere either what the Rams are doing or what the 49ers are doing. And those yeah. are t- two of the best well, offensive minds in the game running those two offenses. I think so, it's hard for for us fans to visualize what the potential of the Rams offense is because Jared Goff was there and he has you know certain limitations that Russell Wilson just doesn't have and gives you a little bit more dynamic playability. Mm-hmm. Um it gives you a closer, you know, in that offense. Um it gives you a, a down, you know, throwing down the field and taking shots, explosive plays that just quite frankly, just didn't come easy for the Rams. Now they had, you know, a somewhat efficient offense as far as being able to dink and dunk and move down the field. But, um, beyond that, it was, uh, it was a difficult schlog for them a lot of the times. Well, yeah, because they didn't have a quarterback that anyone feared, but you look at, take the Rams offense and you realize that Wilson is more athletic. So he's better running. He is more accurate when running. He's better throw a better thrower on the move. He's got a better deep ball. Um, he's got a stronger arm as far as fitting it into tighter windows. Um, a lot of the limitations that Jared Goff brought to the Rams offense don't exist with Russell Wilson. And so you have a situation where you take the efficiency that the Rams were able to produce with a at best average quarterback. And then you put a guy in there with some real talent and there's going to, I mean, it's, you're looking at like, uh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) It's going to be fun to watch. Um, And the thing is, and you don't have to do what the Seahawks did um, the first half of this year where they dropped back and threw deep every play Um, because they tried to do that in the second half and it didn't work. But you get there instead by 
uh, completing a higher percentage of passes. And, and some of it's dink and dunk, and some of it's over the top, and you get your running game involved, and you have that stretch um, zone game tiring out defensive linemen, getting them to move sideways rather than attacking up the field, and you generate time for your quarterback that the Seahawks didn't always generate for Russell Wilson at any other point in Wilson's career. And there's just a lot that can be done to make these things work. Yeah, um, it is interesting. I mean, it really is. And they run a lot of looks that are very similar in the run game and the pass game. Um, and they run a lot of two tight end sets. They were, they, they'll have five offensive linemen, but they'll have like eight or nine guys at the, at the line of scrimmage all bunched up, mm-hmm. um, maybe with one wide receiver wide and, and a single back, um, with, uh, would be Wilson under center as opposed to, um, in the shotgun. And, yeah, they'll do um, a, a Wilson will be under center a lot more because it gives them the directionality um, of having him drop back and turn towards a running back and 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 it, it sets up the play action better um, than if he's in the shotgun. Then you know the only real play is inside zone to the opposite side. There's not really else much you're going to do in the running game. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can, it was interesting. I mean, they, they work, will but. have their, um, you know, the, the tackles are tackles like shell in particular will be asked to, um, to block down and then get to the second level. So he'll rub off on, on, uh, Lewis's man and mm-hmm. then he'll, he'll go pick up a linebacker. Does, does, do, is there anything about shell, um, or Brown at this point that make you believe that those guys aren't athletic enough at this point, yeah, especially with Brown but with shell to be able to, to, to get out into space. I'm not worried about it. Um, how about I mean, Lewis? Lewis is, I mean, certainly hired for one job and now he's going to be asked to do something a little different. Kind of. Um, I mean, he has his talents, right? He has his, his things. So you, you do design things for the talents that he has. Don't ask him to pull and get out in space and block a defensive back 15 yards downfield. Um, the defensive back's likely going to run around him. That's not who he is, but have somebody else, have Ethan Posick do the pulling and let, um, let Lewis, you know, uh, pick up the guy in the middle. It, it just design your play slightly different in order to take advantage of the, the talents of each individual player. I'm not that worried about it. Um, Dwayne Brown is older. I kind of, don't necessarily love the idea of seeing him pull and be out in space and having people dive at his knees and, and all of that. That's, that's not exciting to me. Um, but I'm sure that the team will be smart about it. Um, you know, you, again, you don't have to pull him. You could, uh, pull Haynes or whoever ends up winning the left guard job and, and, and do it that way. And there's just, there's options. And I think that you, we have uh, coaches creative enough to use those options rather than fit square pegs and round well, holes. Well, and, and that's that's right. And I believe that, and in fact, Waldron said this in his press conference today. He's, he, you know, uh, a reporter asked him or, or made the uh, statement that uh, after Bevel left and Shoddy came, that the, uh, the offense retained about 70% of the old playbook and then uh, Schottenheimer added to that. Um, and he was asked if it was going to be a similar situation, uh, with this. And he, you know, diplomatically said, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, we're definitely going to take a look at the, at the personnel we've got and we're going to, 
you know, maximize the opportunity and the talent that we have, put those guys in a position to be successful, blah, 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 blah. He says, but I've got my thing and I'm bringing my deal and, and, uh, and it's important that I, I be able to, um, to make this thing, uh, my own and, and, uh, but I'm totally going to be incorporating everything, you know, what, what's been working, we're going to keep doing, you know, and, and then mm-hmm. we'll just keep, we'll add to it. And, um, so it sounded like it's probably going to be, you know, obviously it's going to be a hybrid situation. So, and, and, you know, an offensive, something like the offensive line probably needs to be, um, done over a long time period of time, like at least three years, if they're going to completely transition the blocking style and the plays and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff to fit personnel to scheme. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they transition that. Uh, I'm not worried about Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson will thrive damn near in any offense, but this one in particular, I think really does give him the opportunity to maximize the potential that he's got, that he's really good at like play action, rolling out of the pocket, using motion to, to get guys into space and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to, to watch that. Um, all right, let's talk about dollars and cents. So why don't you set this thing up a little bit as far as where the team's at? Um, you know, how many folks we've got under contract, what's okay. it look like from the league? What do you, what do you, hypothesize as far as the league and the, and the players association coming together and negotiating some sort of deal that maybe can't be anticipated now, but looking forward to 2022 cap and 23 where there's a lot more money mm-hmm. and having a bunch less money this year, maybe doesn't make a lot of sense and they might try to bridge that gap a little bit. Well, and that's what I believe is going to happen is you're going to see, um, you're going to see that gap bridged. And the, the, the teams or the, the league and the players union have to get together and determine what that gap bridging is going to look like, how, what accountability, um, the owners are going to have to the players to make sure that they, they, um, they don't use giving them more money next year as a way to give them less money overall by the end of this bridging period. Um, and also, you know, with new TV contracts coming in to make sure that, you know, that's taken advantage of and all of that. Uh, but ultimately, we do know the salary cap is going to come down. We we know they're not going to be able to hit the number that they had for this year. And the question is, how far down is it going to go? Is it going to come down to um, $178 million, um, which is what the players' union is saying be prepared for? Um, I've heard $180, i have heard $182, I've heard $185. Um, all as potential landing spots for that number. I've even heard um, 198 again, same as last year, and they would just, you know, try to try to bridge that out, hold it, hold it steady at 198 for, at 198 like for a couple. Yep, yeah. exactly. Um, and I, uh, that actually would be the ideal situation for I think everybody, because when the salary cap where the salary cap goes down, that means there's less money to go around, and salaries have to go down with them. Um, and it means a lot of people get cut and don't get re-signed and nobody get, nobody's happy. Um, well, right now they're projecting the 2022 cap to be at one or excuse me, $220 million. Uh-huh. So that would be an increase of $22 million and then 250 in 2023. So it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to 
lower the cap too much this year, displace a ton of players and, and veterans and cause havoc in the, in the entire marketplace when all they would really need to do is just borrow, you know, essentially mm-hmm. uh, a little bit from, from 2022 and 2023 cap space to level the playing field again and, and keep all the teams competitive uh, yeah. this year. And if you can get, because like I, my, all of my stuff, I kind of just assume 185 is going to be where it's going to land. But honestly, that still doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, 198 makes the most sense. It makes perfect sense. And it's not just because of the easiness of the um, the finances and, and, you know, the spreadsheets and everything, but just simply because if by lowering it, you cut all these players and you get people signed it to smaller contracts because nobody's going to pay, nobody's going to get paid this year. Yeah. Everyone who's a free agent is going to take what is below what they want. A one-year deal, probably. Or, or if, and if they if they sign for longer because they want that security, it's still going to be less than they think they're worth. Um, or artificial, like they'll get a, you know, it'll be a big number, but it'll be spread out over a couple of years and, and it'll be totally a cuttable, you know, yeah, the contract. Set up so you, you play for two years and then you get cut. It's and re- so that, yeah, it's really that hundred million deal, dollar right. deal is really a $20 million deal. And, <laughs> and right. um, you know, yeah, you're gone. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of funny money in these contracts in, in that way. And uh, just looking at it, you, you can see that, um, you know, these, uh, you don't, as a league, as a, as a players union, you don't want that. Um, as a league, you're not gaining anything by doing it either. You're uh, having a ton of turnover. You've got some teams that have been successful that will fall off the face of the earth. Like the Saints we talked about earlier. Um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't All benefit right. anyone. So, so for the sake of this conversation, let's say that the cap is going to be 180 just because it's an easy number to keep track of. Okay. Um, if it's 198, the cap goes up $18 million. We can adjust our conversation and, and some of the things that we're going to talk about. But let's just, for the sake of this, uh, the Seahawks are at 180. That gives us approximately, uh, you know, four or $5 million in uh, cap space this year. Um, that's not going to cut it. That's before the draft. That's before free agency. That's before we've got uh, 48 players under contract. Um, obviously you you're going to, you need, you need a few more. Exactly. <laughs> you need um, 42 more. Cause you need to get to 90. Right. Well, I mean, getting <laughs> to camp is one thing, but getting to 53 plus a practice squad is kind of where you want to land. True. Um, the, uh, so, so we're going to need a little bit of money. We're going to need a little bit of flexibility. We've only got four picks in the draft. You've got to be able to fill out your roster. Some of those folks, uh, that we've got in free agency, Coming up are um, are legit. Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde. Looks like we might lose our number one and number two running backs. Possibly, we've lost one of our uh, starting tight ends. Pro- probably a second one in Jacob Hollister. Um, starting David Moore, left tackle. David starting, Moore, wide receiver is a number three. Left guard. Yep. Possibly our center, Ethan Posick, KJ Wright, um, Benson Mayoa, Quentin Dunbar, um, Griffin. Our, so our, both of our starting corners, I mean, it sounds like it's really bad. Um, how do we put together a plan? How does John Schneider put together a plan to maintain a, um, a Super Bowl-ready roster in 2021, Keith? Well, the, the plan um, 
depends greatly on whether it's 180 or 198. That 18 million makes a big difference. Um, but ultimately, there are some things that have to be done ahead of time. Whether, either way, no matter what. Um, and you just start looking at uh, the contracts that Seattle, Seattle has and where they can get some additional spending. Now, we already talked about what's going to happen with the salary cap in 22 and 23. It's going to go up, right? Um, and so with that, you know, Wilson's got a salary of $19 million next year, um, but $32 million cap space, right? Um, that $19 million, if you convert it into a signing bonus, you have to keep you have to keep his veteran minimums. You can convert eighteen million over. You take that eighteen million and you push it into the other years of his contract, and you drop his salary cap number way down. Um, what's that do? It actually so it drops his salary cap number way down this year, but it increases it next year. Um, but you have more flexibility and more room next year. Well, let's CX- talk about what the salary cap is in twenty twenty two. According to over the cap, the twenty twenty two salary cap is at $141 million. Yeah. So they have, the way it works is, is they, so this, the team has the least amount of cap space of all the teams that are currently under the cap. So there's uh, 14 teams that are over the cap that have to cut players to get under. Um, they're in the red of all the teams that are in the black, the Seahawks have the least amount, um, which puts them about average in the league. It's right in the middle. Um, next year they jump to 141 million of cap space. That's going to be one of the best in the league. They have, they have the ability to kick some of this problem into the following year and not have it hurt them. Uh, so right. they're going to, they're going I mean, they to don't take go over. They don't want to go overboard, but there is a credit card available if they should cho- so choose to use it. And it looks like they probably would want to. Yeah. And like I said, the first the first one that you I would do is I'd go talk to Russell Wilson about it because it's like rather than taking game checks of you know one point two five million dollars every week, uh, here's a check for eighteen million, and we'll pay you you know a couple hundred grand every week uh, as he gets gets the salary cut to um, to a league minimum, but then just takes all the money now, right? Um, and you're gonna pick up. Uh, like 10 million or 12 million in cap space by doing that. Yes. Of course you're going to. Um, and then, so that's, that's like the first one that you would go to. And then after that, there's actually quite a bit of other players where you can go in and find some ways yes. to rework it. Uh, Carlos Dunlap's name is going to come up first and most often because he has one year left. His cap number is 14 million. And none of none of it's guaranteed. None of it's dead. You cut him. You save fourteen million dollars, instant. Right um, now, you have to make it. First of all, you have to make a determination: Is Carlos Dunlap going to play on a fourteen million dollar one year contract? The question is: Is he worth fourteen million dollars of production? And you probably would say no. He's probably closer to Everson Griffith at say eight million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you try to go in and restructure it, and and maybe give him the the first year money. Uh, but then the, the second year is, you know, it's down or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so give him the bonus, give him the bonus money, you know, and keep the base salary low. So his first year cap hit is lower than, than current. Yeah. And so what you have with him 
is a situation where if you need money, you have it. Just cut him and just know that you have to replace him on the roster and, and hope that you can do it uh, cheaper. Um, and we can go down the list, right? There are a lot of guys. Um, Jamal Adams at $10 million, They can find a way to redo that. Quandry Diggs at six. Uh, point one, they can redo that. Um, Bobby Wagner Ger- and, and Lockett both have yeah. big numbers. I would say Jerron Reed to me would be next because he's underperformed his contract. Um, they could easily save nine million dollars cutting him uh, or trading him, and uh, you know I think you can get his production from it from elsewhere. Uh, but then there are the ones that are a little more uh, unpopular to even bring up. Um, Tyler Lockett, you could trade him or cut him. You won't cut him. He's got too much value or restructure, Yeah, but you could, you could trade him and pick up a draft pick or two, uh, and save 12.7 million against the cap. Um, and when you've only got four draft picks and no cap space, suddenly trading Tyler Lockett and getting a couple of draft picks and a lot of cap space is, um, something you'd look at, especially, well, with, with the way the rest of the league is. And this is why I said that you not knowing what the cap's going to be. Is it going to be 198 or is it going to be 180? Because that $18 million does make a difference. And where it makes a difference is all the teams that are currently in the red. Yes. Because all those teams have to cut guys. There is going to be a ton of players that would, in a normal year, would not be on the market because they wouldn't get cut, that are going to be on the market and get cut. That's why I think the trade market is going to be really uh, difficult this year. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I was looking at this and I was like, it would be a risk um, to do it this way. But the Seahawks could go into free agency, cut, just outright cut, Carlos Dunrap, Jerron Reed, um, Quandre Diggs, um, you know, different guys that have big cap numbers, Trey Flowers, which would save you, um, mm-hmm. you know, $2 million. And then expect, because all these teams are so far over the cap, they're so far in the red, that there's going to be a glut of players with very little money to spend on them league-wide. Supply and demand is going to drive prices down and that you'll be able to get an equivalent player to Carlos Dunlap at a fraction of the cost. Um, and maybe that's Yannick, who we talked about the Seahawks trading for a year ago, um, mm-hmm. who's going to be out there. And what team is going to have the cap room to sign him? Well, you know who has a lot of cap room is the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I guarantee you he's not signing with them. Right. <laughs> given their history. Right. Well, the market, um, the current market would be half the team. So you, your market is literally half starts out at half of what it would normally, normally be. be. And mm-hmm. then you just work, work down from there. So, but you know, there's, there's teams with cap space right now that, that can create additional cap space, just like the Seahawks. And then there's teams in the black, uh, in the red right now that, that can also, um, dump, True, but but this is that's not any different than a normal situation, right? The Seahawks all every year go in and they have they have contracts like Carlos Dunlap's that they can choose to work with, choose to cut, choose Mm -hmm. to leave alone, and every team has those. But in this year, half the teams in the league don't have options. They have to get rid of those contracts because the the league rules say you have to. and if you don't get your your team under the salary cap by the first day of the league year, the 
uh, league will literally go through and void contracts for your the your players with the biggest cap savings until you're under. So like for Seattle, you'd wow. go through and they would literally void. Um, like if if the Seahawks were in the 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 Saints situation and decided to be like, you know what, we're not going to abide by the rule. We're not. We don't care. We're not going to even try and get under the cap. Uh, first day of the league year, the um, the league would come through and say, uh, Carlos Dunlap, Tyler Lockett, Bobby Wagner, Jamal Brown, Jamal Adams, all of you are free agents because they're the ones that um, they're the top uh, salary cap savings, and they would just void the contracts. They would become free agents, and, right. and I, I could, you yeah. know, that's just that's not going to happen. It's not, but I'm just saying, like that. That's I mean, the reason. Not, not this year. That's the way the teams that's are the under way, a real situation here. That's, and I think but that's that's the way. Together. That's the way the rules are, and no team has ever done that. No team has, the league has never had to step in and 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 make that kind of deal. But that's what the rules say, and so the 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 PA and the league will come together and they'll come up with an agreement and whatever team you know the teams that even are under the, they will find a way even if the cap increased by 10 million dollars like it has every year for the last 7 or 10 years or whatever it would have gone up to uh, uh 208. 208 and the and the uh New Orleans Saints would have still been uh almost 90 million dollars over the cap <laughs> and so how, what are you going to do bad, to help yeah. a team like that when in a normal year they would have been in trouble anyway you you're know, not, so you're, you not be and you're not going to, no, you're, you, they're not going to go out of their way to, to help them. They, they're going to help themselves. The, the, the saints have been, uh, mortgaging their future for their present for as long as they could keep Drew Brees in a uniform. When with Brees retiring, they are going to be forced into a massive Gutting. rebuild. Yes. Um, they, they got to gut their roster and it's because of what they did, but you know what? They were able to keep a really strong roster around Brees for the last few years, um, by doing it. And it didn't work out as far as championships, but it sure worked out in terms of games won and playoff appearances and all of that. And I'm sure that, yeah, it's going to suck to lose all those players and have to start over, but better to take your, better to take your medicine in one year and get all of that dead cap awfulness off the books and just have one bad year in 2021 and then be back in 2022 with, a lot of cap space and probably the first overall pick or the top five, because you had a talentless roster um, and be ready to go. Right. So uh, if I was one of those teams, that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at as I'm All looking right. at starting over. So let's, pre- let's do a, a few predictions here on some of the players that are up for possible release or restructure. Mm-hmm. And let's make a little prediction and maybe we can project a little bit as far as how this is going to work. Let's talk about Bobby Wagner. You know, this is a guy that's a future Hall of Famer, uh, been at the heart of the defense since he came on board. Um, best player on the defense. What do you do with Bobby Wagner? Is he worth a $17 million cap hit? And if he's not, if you determine that he's not, what would it, what would be an appropriate number for him that you would retain him and maybe offer an extension so you can get that cap number down this year and give your team a little bit of money. Or maybe they do the trade thing. And what does it bring? So Bobby Wagner has two years left, right? 2021, he's got a cap number of 17. 2022, he's got a cap number of 20. 
Seahawks he, are not paying 20 for Bobby Wagner not, in 2022. Not, yeah. Um, that this contract was built around him getting a new deal at some point. Um, because no linebacker in the NFL is making, okay, a three, you might have a, a three, four outside linebacker that their primary job is a pass rusher, right? Um, that, that might, might approach 20 million a year, but for an off the ball, off the line of scrimmage, um, four, three middle linebacker, there isn't one in the history of the NFL that's worth 20 million, um, in terms of the salary cap. Um, and, it, and they have a hedge on the team already. Yeah. His, Jordan his, Brooks. Jordan Brooks, his replacement's already there. Um, I look at that 17 and I go, that's high, but seven and a half million is dead money. Um, and that's with nothing guaranteed, which means it's all prorated signing bonus. Um, so cutting him or trading him you have to eat that seven and a half million in dead money. Yeah, it saves you 10. But are you going to be able to get a player anywhere close to Bobby Wagner for 10 million bucks? You know, I think that the, you've got to look at the overall team philosophy, uh, where they're at right now. Where's the defense? You know, they were definitely up and coming and rising at the end of the year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you blow it up? Because that's a blow it up move, you know. Yeah. The trading Bobby Wagner for draft picks is a kind of a blow it up. You know, it's, it's over. We're going to reset this thing again, move. And I, I just don't know that yeah. we're there. Yeah. I, I don't think that you can for to save $10 million against the cap. I don't think you can replace Bobby Wagner's leadership his, how much he's respected in the locker room. So how do you go to Bobby Wagner and ask him to, to take less money, um, objectively and, and, and respectfully? The answer comes into 2023, which right now he has no contract and you go, okay, um, let's, let's give you a contract that's going to continue to pay you into 2023. Um, so it's going to be more money overall, but it's not going to be that much more. It might be like $2 million more in terms of total money. Um, but it's spread out over three years over t- instead of two. Um, and you do it in a way that lowers his actual cost and his cap space. Uh, but you still guarantee him more money over time. And you got to remember that Wagner's contract, zero guaranteed for the rest of these last two years of the deal. If he, um, he has no injury hedge. Yeah. If, if anything happens to him, like what happened with Cliff Haverhill, right? Um, got a neck stinger, boom, done. No more in the league. Everything's gone. Um, Wagner is not, the, Wagner has no guarantee to see a single penny of, any, of what's left on his contract. So if you sign him to a, to a deal, extend it to 23, guarantee a bunch of the money so that way he knows he's going to get it. Even if he gets hurt, um, he'll probably take it. And that's what I would do is spread it out over three years instead of two, lower his per year, um, cost and guarantee at and, least the and, first two and, years of it and make 2023 basically voidable. Yeah. So how about Tyler Lockett? 
there's been some some you know there's there's three or four guys Bobby being one Tyler being another maybe um, Jerron Reed maybe Jamal Adams being tradable assets that the Seahawks have uh, there's only a few on the team that I think you could really legitimately get you know mid rounders or earlier for and um, Tyler Lockett's one of them probably a top 20 receiver in the league. If you look at some different types of advanced stats, he could be even in, in a top 10 conversation on any given, you know, any given year. Um, he's got a 14, almost $15 million cap hit uh, with a $12 million, $12.7 million in savings if he was released or traded or whatever. Um, what do you do with Tyler Lockett? Is he a, is he a, in a situation with a new offensive coordinator coming in um, where you might entertain that to pick up, say a second or third round pick for Tyler Lockett plus the cap savings. Here's the thing. What's Tyler Lockett's contract look like in 2022? He doesn't have one. Tyler Lockett is going into a contract year. This is his last year of his current contract. And he's looking at making He's going to have a cap number of $15 million, $14.95 million. Um, He's also going to be in a situation where there are a bunch of quality wide receivers that are going to hit the open market this year. Um, it's a really strong year for free agent wide receivers. And, and in the he, draft. And in the draft, yeah. The draft has also got some great ones. Um, this isn't a great year to be a guy holding out for more money or not taking if the team's like, hey, let's come in and talk about an extension that keeps you around in 22 uh, and 23 and maybe 24 um, at lower numbers, this might be a year you, you actually listen to that. Um, and that's kind of what I expect to happen. He, they One, I don't think they'll cut him. He's too too good, does too many things. He, he's just such a great asset for the team. Um I agree. And I, so but you I, have to I, do something. I mean, you've got to knock that $15 million cap hit down for a tight yeah. locket. You've got to get that into the 9 million range. And if yeah. you can save five or $6 million against the cap by restructuring him and extending him a couple, uh, two or three years, I would and, do that. And why wouldn't you do that? Well, and with you, you would, especially the, the, the money is there, especially for these core players for the, for the Seahawks you want to hold mm-hmm. on to. Um, see, it's one thing with Bobby Wagner because he's what, 30, 32 or 33. This year. Um, Tyler Lockett's 29. He also doesn't play a position like linebacker where you just take a beating every play. He takes a and beating though. <laughs> he does because, because he's little, cause yeah. he's 5'10", 182. Um, but yeah, no, but I mean, time, do you like, pay him? Do you pay him a third contract? I mean, that's the question. I think you do, but you find a way to make his third contract more palatable than his current second contract. And so you extend him um, and, you know, add two more years to his deal to get his cap number down. Because $15 million for a guy who's not Julio Jones or Michael Thomas on the outside, that's, you're right. not going to, well, and, and that looks like the contract was set up in, in a way where this would be the year that you would do something with it. It you is. Know. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's talk about Carlos Dunlap. Here's a guy that's got a $14 million cap hit with zero dead money. 
if he was to be released. That's a big, huge chunk of change that the Seahawks could really use. And the Seahawks gave up nothing to get him. Well, so even however, if they choose Carlos to cut him. Dunlap is a player that I think that they would really like to retain. Um, he made a huge difference on the defensive line this year. I think he's one of those players that you would love to be able to extend for uh, two years. And uh, so a three-year total, and you would you would bridge that thing um, he's also with, 30, with bonus money. He's also 32. Correct. He's, um, but I would get him closer to like an $8 million number. Will he take an $8 million number? Well, he would either take an $8 million cap number with the Seahawks, or he'd probably have to go find a team that would pay him an $8 million figure somewhere else because he's not going to get 10 to $14 million in the open market, I don't believe, at 32 years old. So why was he available for a seventh round pick in a trade with Seattle midseason? Well, I mean, you'd have to look at, at Cleveland and, and what they were thinking. I don't know. Or Cincinnati. Is it Cincinnati? It's, it's, it's Cincinnati. It was with yeah. the Bengals. Um, he, has been, he has been asking to get paid for a couple of years now, and they refused. Yeah. He, he wanted a raise. He wanted more. Um, he what do you he think he more. is worth? What do you think he's worth? I think two years ago he was worth it. I think right now at 32, coming off a, a year when statistically he was like not great because of all of the time in Cincy where he was not trying and then eventually got just got told to stay home um, because they saw that he was not trying. Um, I think he's going to have a hard time finding that contract. Um, and Taking a one-year deal, uh, bet on yourself, that'll put you a year from now when you're 33 going into your 34-year-old uh, year trying to get a big contract. You're not going to get one in that at that age. So I think he... Do you see the Seahawks releasing Carlos Dunlap for I no do. compensation? I do. And I think that they might try to trade him. I don't, you're not going to find have it. the team that, that, get, gonna have that trade gets value. him uh, agree to a, uh, an extension before the trade. Maybe. I mean, they can try that. He, they can, they can tell him to go a fifth round pick or something, you know? Yeah. To tell him to go, go find, you know, tell your agent, go, go find this um, here, you know, go find a place that's willing to pay you and um, you know, we'll work it out and see what he gets. And then, or the other thing they might do is to just tell him, be like, look, we're in cap craziness. Um, you got a $14 million cap number. It's, it's That's literally, you know, three times li- the amount that we currently have. <laughs> yeah. It's and not only that, but it's literally nothing personal and nothing like, oh, you're not worth it. Right. It's, we just, you, we have to do this. something. Let me ask you this. What was negotiated and said between John Schneider or our, you know, cap guys when he came on and agreed to, um, to this situation here where he's, um, he's got no bonus money this year and he, it's just straight salary. Didn't he do something when he was, he came in, he adjusted his salary to, to help the team out or something. Do you recall that? I don't recall that. I know that when they brought him in, um, it was, he was going to come here and play well and build his value because he was going, you know, going to have an opportunity. And I think that might be it is it might be sure. Come in and play. And then we'll, we'll let you be a free agent and go test the market and go get whatever you can get. 
And maybe that's what it was. Well, I mean, he's not a free agent, obviously. He's got a year no, left but, on his deal, but no dead but money. No dead money. So if they agreed to cut him yes, so that he could become a free agent, uh, that might be what the deal is. And so then it's just not, it's not anything. And I can actually see that being a thing. I mean, they, they traded the seventh round draft pick to get a guy who was really unhappy. So it's, other, it's interesting the that they would do that in back to back years, make, make deals like that with, with Clowney. We won't franchise you. Mm-hmm. And with Carlos Dunlap, we'll release you. And, uh, yeah. Interesting. Anyway. And, and the thing with Dunlap is I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against cutting him, letting him test the market. Yes. And just being like, Hey, let us know what you're going to get. Yeah. We want you, we want you back. We'll figure out how to work it with the cap. Um, but just tell us what someone else is going to pay you. And if he goes out and doesn't find a market, then we go, okay, well, you know, why don't you come back? We'll let you pay. How many want you? We'll pay you this. You want to do it for one year and you can go back out, try again next year. Or do you want to add, make this so, a two year deal? So he and could either it, take, he could either take the $7 million deal up front and renegotiate his contract, eat a little bit of humble pie and stay with the Seahawks or he can go test the market and then come back and his market's going to be even more depressed and the Seahawks will pay him 5 million. Yeah. Basically. And but, it will be depressed. And it will be because, because the, the, you know, it'll be, it'll, it'll completely depend on a guy like Carlos Dunlap to be patient and wait until a team really needs him in August to be able to sign him because there's going to be, well, I mean, he might get picked up before then, but, there's going to be tons and tons and tons of free agents out there early in this process that have been released or cut by teams going through the exact same thing Carlos Dunlap went through. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the market's going to have to figure it out, you know, and they're, yeah, their premier guys will be snatched up fairly quickly by teams that have cap space, but others will linger for months. Possibly. But how did, how did it work out for Clowney? And that was in a, and that was in a year when the market wasn't and this year in trouble. Th- there's there's sites out there that still say that Clowney's going to make thirteen million dollars this year. It's like what? No, Clowney's not going to make thirteen million dollars this year. Maybe eight. <clears throat> yeah, how do you do in um, Tennessee? He did awful. He ended the season with surgery. So there you go. Yeah, he he had a he had a he had a terrible year. All right, well, let's another not, let's not sugarcoat it. Another guy. <laughs> that we have a lot of money invested in, um, but but has a lot of money available is Jerron Reed. If we were to um, release Jerron Reed, we'd, we'd eat $5 million in um, dead cap, but we'd save eight, almost $9 million overall. Mm-hmm. He's got a $14 million cap hit. Do you pay a defensive tackle with six or seven sack potential $14 million in this is- defense? You don't. You're not paying him fourteen million dollars. You're paying him uh, eight point three million dollars because that's his salary, um, and the rest of it is just cat hit because they paid him a big signing bonus um, when he signed, and so basically you kicked you kicked the salary cap problem from when you signed him into this year, uh, into this coming year, and so. Um, but the team is going to look at it, I think, more from a cash standpoint than a cap standpoint and say, it's 8.3. This is a guy with six, seven sack potential um, in the interior, disruptive guy um, for 8.3. I think they probably just keep it there. They keep it or um, do they extend him? 
I mean, if they can, it, I mean, if, he kind of proved it. He kind of proved his his he? 2018 production. After they fell off in 19, he came back and had a pretty decent year this year. He had a pretty awful first, like, six games. Uh, amongst all the reasons why the offense or the defense was terrible during the first six games, Jerome Reed was one of the bigger parts. I mean, all the injuries and his coverage went up. They got nothing out of him in the beginning of the year. And then once they got Carlos Dunlap in there, it was like it lit a fire under John Reed, and he played really well down the stretch. But he had some really awful games. Well, and, there's definitely something to be said about surrounding yourself with good quality. Yeah. And, and I just, I'm, I don't, I didn't really love his signing, like when he was re-signed. Um, right. Because well, it was, they, a, it was a pretty big number. I mean, it was, it was like $23 million over two years with with uh, yeah. $11 million guaranteed or something like that. And they, yeah, and they paid him, uh, they paid him based on his 2018 season and his 2019 season was nothing like it. Um, yes. And so... I wasn't really excited with it. I don't know if they really have ever gotten any value out of that. Uh, honestly, man, they got value it, this year. I think he was actually pretty good against the run and, and against the, the, you know, and rushing the passer a little bit and disrupting. At the end, at the the last in the second half, of the second half of the season, he was he was he was first half of the season, he really wasn't. So it's like, ah, which one are you going to get? I think you, I think you can you can look at this either way. Um, well, if we didn't. A, have him we'd have to replace him and there's nobody currently on the roster no there's not um and i mean even though puna ford had a great year um in the interior and and developed some you know disruptive tendencies to push the the pocket around a little bit but he's not geron reed he's not that level of interior disruptive force he's more of a run stuffing kind of a guy Jerron kind of gives you both a little bit, but there's nobody on the roster currently that's going to be that interior pressure like Jerron Reed. So for the 11.3 million that you would save, no, so I'm looking at the wrong line, for the 8.9 million Mm -hmm. uh, that you would save by cutting Jerron Reed or trading him, whatever, um, just to have not to, to, to get clear off that him off the books, can you get an equivalent player? For nine million dollars. Yeah, I mean, like Kwame Short is out there. Um, there's a couple other guys, you know, defensive tackle guys. Sheldon Rankins is out there. You can probably get him for eight and a half. Dalvin Tom Tomlinson. He's only twenty seven years old. Guy like that, ten million. You know See what I'm? You know what I'm saying? Right. And so you're, you're going to go. You're straight across. Yeah. If, so the saving, the cap savings is is nine million. Can you get a equivalent player? You can for get un, yeah, for you, under for under nine million dollars in order to make it worth it. Well, it depends on the upside. How old's Jaron Reed now? 28, 29? So that's where um, you're at on the in the market. You're gonna get, you know, a 27, 28 year old guy that's he's gonna, twenty he's twenty nine. That's gonna be about the same price. So it's it depends on on the on the fit. And I would go ahead and, and keep what you know. Reed's been good over time, take the two thousand eighteen and do whatever you want with it, but He's he's had a uh, few injuries. He's been consistent, more or less. Last year he was great. There's no indication that he's dropping off at all. So I would keep yeah. him around as opposed to going with an unknown guy. 
that's the thing is so uh, uh, it, going with an unknown guy or you have to go with a known quantity. So a veteran player, uh, but you're going to want someone who's, you know, a veteran player is 27 to 30. Right. Um, who's got to bring the same production and do so for under $9 million before you make that move. Right. So you're looking at Jonathan Hankins, uh, Sheldon Rankins or Dalvin Tomlinson. I mean, all those guys are going to be in the eight to $10 million range. Mm-hmm. Ish. Yeah. And they're going to I give mean, you similar yeah. production. And I, I just don't, I mean, one of the nice things about Reed is he's been fairly durable. So maybe that play that into that and you go, you know what? Exactly. Better to have a, better to have a guy that you know is going to be out there. Um, Availability. And, yep. And, and, or, or maybe you, you know, you look at it and you go, okay, well, if we're going to do that and this year is a little crazy and we got to figure out um, this, you know, maybe we, this is the time to offer him an extension and say, okay, you know, we'll give you some more guaranteed money. We want to get your cap number down, um, play with us a little bit here and, and they'll figure out a way to keep him uh, longer term. But I just don't see a way to replace his production for, especially this it, year. And we don't have any save, draft picks and, you know, yeah, so and, we can't and actually, get a young save, actually save money against the cap. Now maybe they choose to leave it and not extend him because they know that they, you don't want to, if there's a guy that you're constantly thinking about replacing, keeping him around long-term isn't helpful. Right. So knowing that this is, becomes his contract year and he can go find another, another team and you, you basically push yourself into replacing him next right. year um, rather than extending him and trying to gain, um, you know, two or three million in cap space or whatever it ends up being. Um, you say that long term, it's just not worth it. But so I want to talk about a couple more players, and then I want to talk about draft picks really quick and kind of how this might all tie into that. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwayne Brown. Dwayne Brown's our left tackle. We really don't have a replacement on the roster, and we don't have two. Uh, we don't have first round picks in this year's or next year's draft, so we don't really don't have the tool that you would normally use to get an up-and-coming left tackle to come into the system. Um, now, we could we could draft a project later on, you know, third, fourth, fifth round, and, and there not, are some guys not, out there. But You're not starting him right. in 2021. Probably, have to, right. He would have to develop and be ready in 2021. Well, what I'm saying worry is... Worry about you, it then. Right. Here's the deal. Dwayne Brown's got a 13.35 million cap hit um, with $2 million in dead money. 11 million sitting there. If we were to needing, you know, we've talked about needing money, generating money. Would you extend Dwayne Brown? He's already playing, I think through next year, right? Uh, yeah, 2022. He's got, one, he's got one more year and uh, a bigger cap cap it next year. So do you restructure Dwayne Brown and, and keep him in the fold for another two years? So through 2024, so that you could, lower some of that cap money this year. Is sure. he a candidate for that? Um, yeah, he is because he's still playing at a really high level. And honestly, I mean, he's 36. Let's not, let's not, he's no young guy, right? He, at some point this drop off's coming, but it certainly didn't happen in 2020 when she had one of his better years. Um, he was very good this last year and you know, he's going to have, he's got one more year left. He's making $10 million, $13 million cap hit, which is actually low for a pro bowl quali- uh, quality left tackle. Um, he is a free agent in 2022. So Keith, yeah. he, this is his last year under yeah. contract. He's got one year left. Um, 
you know, I would say if you're going to extend him, extend him into 2022. Give him one more year. So he has two years left. Um, and, you know, maybe take that $13 million cap hit and you drop it down to 10. Um, or even eight. Yeah, but see, then you're pushing it out. In, I know that you're pushing and, it out a little bit, but maybe you could push it out in the first, in the second and third year and have zero dead money in the fourth year. Yeah, you'd have to do it in a way like like, like that. And knowing that he's at some point, I mean, he's 36. He's yes. not, not going to play. Whatever, whatever contract he, if he, if the Seahawks extend him, that will be his last contract. Well, or we need a plan, you know, we need a succession plan Yeah, with Dwayne, Dwayne Brown. And we, yeah. like I said, we don't have anybody on the roster currently. No, they haven't, they haven't even, they haven't even attempted since other than, um. You'd have to use his, his cap number and, and knowing that the cap is going to go up in 22, 23, 24, big time. You could go out and, and in free agency and get a, a premier kind of left tackle guy um, if you needed to. Yeah. But, but that's not really the, you know, the, the, the right way to do it. You kind of want to bring those guys along a little bit and, and, and uh, maybe draft a guy so you could have them under team control for a while. But as opposed to a big, huge cap hit for your left tackle. But, you know, so either way, you were, you've got to do it. If you were to say, okay, he's 36 let's go see if we can find a young, a younger replacement for him this year at left tackle. Go look at the, uh, go look at the guys that are available to be as free agents and find me a guy that you would rather have. I tell you, there's one, there's only one, there's only one that I would even consider. And he's been kind of a, well, failure at, at what he's been doing so far. And that's Cam Robinson. Yep. Cam Robinson's 25 years old. He's a left tackle. He's projected to make $8 million in free agency this year. Um, somebody like that, maybe, but it's going to be a downgrade and Seattle would have to live with that. And you'd have to figure out if Cam Robinson would be athletic enough to play in an outside zone scheme. I, I just don't know. Can't remember from the draft a few years ago. Um, but he'd be a guy that I, I would consider. I mean, I considered that guy in the draft when, when he came around. So, mm-hmm. so here's the thing. Um, and even if you were going to do that, right. So you're going to, you're going to save, uh, 11 million, but then pay Cam Robinson eight and gain 3 million cap cap space. You'd get younger. It would be a downgrade. You'd, so you would not get better. Um, is it worth it? Well, you, you need to be able to have a plan uh, is it, again to, to move on from Dwayne Brown. Dwayne is Brown three, is one injury away, one ACL away, knock on wood, from not being serviceable for you and you have nothing on the roster. True. So you've got um, to figure out a way to get at least a left tackle, backup left tackle, legit guy that could come in and, and hold down the fort if something happened to Dwayne Brown. I don't mind paying Dwayne Brown. He's been great. Don't get me wrong. He's a top 10 left tackle in the league still at 36 years old with no showing, you know, last year he kind of was nicked up a lot this year. They took care of him. He was better. If they can keep doing that, there's no reason to think that he couldn't play for another two or three years. I just feel better if we had a a plan in place where we were bringing the guy along. Yeah. And, and I mean, they, they, they did it. um, It was George Fant. 
Um, but he hurt his knee and then the timing just was off and they were like, Nope, we're going to go get, um, Dwayne Brown. And that was the end of that, that plan. And they need to come up with a new one. Um, but you know, honestly, the $3 million that you'd gain by switching to Cam Robinson from Dwayne Brown isn't worth giving up on the quality of player. Now, if you bring in Cam Robinson and play him at right tackle and give him... So he's well, you'd under- have to take a look at that, Keith, in a combination with freeing up cap space. I know that you're saying it's only a savings of you know $3 million or whatever, but that's not necessarily true. I think... You could you could even lower Cam Robinson's cap hit to you know five million in the first year by loading up a bonus situation. I you know I think there's a little bit more money there that needs to be part of the equation, plus long term like the the term of the contract. You know you're yeah. saving a little bit of money every year. So I it, I think with the cap going up 2022 2023 big time, I think that you you hold on to Dwayne Brown as long as you can, but I think that you do need to cultivate uh some a, a better set of tackles on the on the team behind yeah. shell and brown and i think that you can either do it behind shell and brown or you can uh you know shell's got a 5.3 million dollar cap hit 3.3 is um you know uh savings and maybe you turn that you, you know that's one of the places where you go and you let him go and you bring in someone who can um, be an upgrade and possibly a left tackle. Cause Shell's not going to be a left tackle for no. you. Um, so you bring in a guy that can, that can play on the right side for a year um, and be your left tackle. Of the so future. if you were to generate $20 million in cap savings by some of the deals that we've just discussed mm-hmm. in theory, let's say the cap stays at around 190, one, whatever, right in that area. And um, so you've got like 20, you've got $30 million to spend, let's say. And let's say that they re-sign Adams, but Adams for sure cap hit is about the same as it is now, so it doesn't really cost you anymore. Um, would you, what would be your priorities in free agency? Right now. Right now? I mean, obviously they've got a fixed cornerback. You, you think they might keep Posick, but we've got to they, replace a left guard. You might upgrade Shell. Um, I, I would say, I would say the... The offensive line's got to be looked at. Pete Carroll even said the offensive line's got to be looked at. Um, but then, you know, you're also changing schemes and you want to make sure that you get pieces in place. And there's exactly. so much so much other talent on offense that they really are a couple of offensive linemen, offensive line upgrades away from that offense just being. Well, I mean, you have awesome. to you have to think about running back at this at this point as well. You've got Rashad yeah. Penny who's completely unproven with a knee and then you've got Homer, which is not going to run between the tackles for you. Dallas, maybe a little bit, but not the full workload. And then what, behind what Penny, did, you've got Carson and Hyde, both. What did the Rams free agents. do when they got when they when they got rid of Todd Gurley? Well, they drafted Cam Akers, but before that, but they before they had that, Malcolm Brown and Henderson in the draft. Before that, they went with a running back by committee approach, and even when they drafted Cam Akers. It was still running back by committee until the last like six yeah, games. Yeah, it won't be next year. <laughs> and it, no, it won't. It'll be the Cam Akers show. Right. But, um, but they made it. They made a running game work without a name. And I, you know, you upgrade the offensive line. I don't think that line. Pete Carroll likes that approach. He doesn't. 
But I I'm think that Pete that, Carroll wants to have a bruiser, a guy that makes a statement, inflict their will, as he puts it, I know. on another team. And until he gets that, you know, that. I think you, but I think you can. Marshawn Lynch replacement. He's not going to be completely happy. And I think he's been okay happy with Carson when Carson is available. But when, when Carson is not available, not. he's not yeah. helping the team. And at the same time that Carson wasn't available this year, you had Hyde that wasn't available. Carson yep. missed four games. Was He was limited and metered on all the other games that he participated in. His per-game carries was down almost five carries per game in 2020. Carlos Hyde missed eight games and gave you, you know, okay production when he was in there, but he wasn't in there enough to really make a difference. And mm-hmm. so I think they really want to focus this year. I don't know if, if they're going to uh, draft like a Devontae Williams uh, from uh, North Carolina. With their first I, pick in the second round, I don't know. I would, but a guy it. like that is kind of a perfect fit. You know, yeah. there, there's some running backs uh, available out there in in free agency, but again, they've got to generate some money. Is it better that they they might have Chris Carson back on a one year deal? I don't know if Hyde's coming back just because of the injury situation. I think they they need availability, and they need a guy that's going to be able to run through the tackles and and kind of be an impact guy. You know, they made a mistake. When they didn't draft Nick Chubb, and instead went with Penny, um, Penny just doesn't fit the mold. I never understood that pick. You know, if he was healthy and, and productive, maybe it would have been completely different for me. You loved but that pick. I Penny's is dynamic, but the he more I thought about it over wanted. the years since he was here, regardless of the injury situation, since he's been here, he's just kind of been one of a soft guy. You know, he's he's not a guy that's going to take it up the middle for you and gain extra yards after contact. He's just not. No, but he's a guy that's going to bounce it. Uh, he could to be the very productive in this new and, offense, and but take let's off. see. Yeah. You know, let's see where he's at injury wise. I, I just don't know, Keith. I just, I, I, one of those guys you can't depend on. I think given what we saw, the way that the Rams did their transition and how well it worked. Um, and given Penny's skill set and his ability to bounce it and take it to the house in a way that, that Carson couldn't. Um, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see, because they also went into this last year knowing that Penny was, if he played at all, it was not going to be till the end of the year. And that's what happened. He barely played and it was at the end of the year. Um, so they're going to go into the season with a full, you know, a full year of Penny. Um, and they're, they'll go and make sure they have another person, whether it's Carson whether it's someone like Carson, you know, big body. I don't body, think that they're going to the go. They're not going to go into the year with Penny as the number one running back. I think they might. Uh, How could but they also, possibly think that, given the they, track history of of injury and so forth? The track hin- history of one injury. Oh, he was dinged up enough where he missed six or seven games his rookie year, with a broken finger, and then, he, so he never got on track, and then. This last year, he's, yeah. And, and the year, you know, the year prior, he went out, you know, for the year. And uh, and then this year, it, it, he's never, he never really recovered in time to, to play. So, he, well, it was, it was a nasty injury. He basically destroyed he all the ligaments. He came on for like knee. three games last year, Keith, but he only had 70 some odd carries for the entire year in 2019. You know, so it's just been very underwhelming overall. He's shown glimpses and and little 
peaks shown, at talent, but he's other shown than that, flashes nothing. of being a, of a guy that can be great. Exactly. And I think, but that's and I all think it's been. They see that. Um, and in a situation if, where if those injuries are legit unrelated to one another and they're just freakish things, so be it. But he's, he's got to be available if he's not. I mean, I don't know how you could go into a year and say that he's the number one guy on an, on a team where that's the core, um, thing that you've said that you wanted to improve upon in 2021. Yeah, but you're improving upon it by um scheme and blocking and commitment and all of those things you're not you don't need uh you don't need to go get that like one guy and to have i mean like i said the the offense is being run by someone from the rams the rams had that guy in Gurley. what do you think and about then they Gurley? they Gurley's 27 years old and he's available in free agency. And he can't run. I know. His, he's got bad knees, knees. His knees are gone. So Okay, but, how, so about they, a, how about a guy like Mike Davis come back or Kenyon Drake or James Connors out there? Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I'd like that guy. But he no might thanks. be too expensive for them this year. Um, yeah, I'm not interested. <laughs> um, uh, uh like all of those guys, like I, I'd, I'd rather use a mid late round draft pick. Go find another Chris Carson. Like a Trey Sermon. He was, um, Chris Carson was a seventh round pick. Yeah. There's, you know, there's, yeah. there's guys, there's not those a guys lot of guys out there. out there that fit that mold in the draft. There's three or four guys. Javante Williams is one. He's going to be a second round pick. Uh, who's the, who's the, the, uh, Nanje Nanji. He's, he's probably going to go before the Seattle Seahawks have a chance. Um, Trey Sermon out of Ohio state is a guy. Um, Ramonde Stevenson is a guy, but he's a big guy. In fact, he's like two thirty five eleven two thirty. But I, I saw him in the senior bowl and he was a little underwhelming, just lacked some explosiveness and stuff. I thought that kind of took him out of contention maybe. Um, so there's just not, there's not a, a ton out there that fit that 5'11", 220 pound kind of guy that trucks you, you know, yeah. there's not, there's not a lot of those in the draft. So if, um, if Leonard Fournette will come in at a reasonable price, like 3.5 million, um, I would take a look at that. Yeah, I would tandem him. If if Chris Carson was available on a one year deal at five point five, and you could get oh, Fournette in at three point five, no, I do. That one would be my tandem. Other. I wouldn't do both. I would do both because this this offense needs both. And I don't think you're finding. Or do me. you think that they go in a totally different direction and have a change of pace guy this year for the first time in a while? No, I don't think they do that. I think you have your change of pace guy like in like in like in Morris used to be. No. You think? It, I think Penny is your change of pace guy. He's the guy with the wheels. He can take it to the house. Um, Do you think they'd have him lose some some weight? No. I think he's, he's like two thirty. I know. He doesn't need to lose weight. He's already got the wheels. Um, but I could see them going. Um, you know, is, is see what the market does, and then end up with a guy like Matt Breida. Mm-hmm. Matt Breida's and, got wheels. 
and and have him come in, go with him and Penny as a, as a two headed monster. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but him and Carson would be awesome. I would have Penny as my third back. There's no, mo- there's no, there's not enough money to do that. You've got Penny. You used a first round pick on him. You know he can be good. You, you've got to, you've got to expect him to have a bigger role going into a season with Penny. Was my number one. So let me ask you this. Okay, so we've got, uh, let's close this thing up a little bit. And I just want to talk about the draft briefly. We've got four picks. We've got a second rounder and then a fourth, a fifth and a sixth or a fourth, fifth and a seventh. One of the, one of the two. Four, I think it's four, five, six. Okay. So um, how many picks do we end up with? And and how does Josh, and do we, do we, do we make an off season trade here before the, the, the draft during free agency? to gain picks. What are your predictions of how this thing's going to go and where do we end up with um, in the draft? Do you think, do you think that Adams comes into play? Adams seems to me personally seems to be a guy that might be schematically slightly off and fitting the defense and a guy that they might look at as, as a tradable asset that would bring in the most trade value. They did not give up what they gave up. But they could get Adams. a lot of that to, back to turn around and 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 send him off for for less. They only had to pay him like four million dollars last year. He barely cost him any money. He just cost him draft compensation. So if they could get a first back this year, maybe a third next year, lose the the salary cap hit this year of ten million dollars plus any future hit, which would be probably closer to seventeen or eighteen million dollars per. Um, by by letting him go, gaining some which draft you capital. Which you, you got a mid first round need. pick this year. John Schneider could turn that into three or four picks and make the draft. True, and you you you've made the draft, but you've got ready gotten rid of your most dynamic defensive player. But you go out in free agency now with that ten million dollars, and you pick up a real nice player, it's a, a true strong safety that plays the position in a traditional Pete Carroll way. Pete Carroll was the one who traded for him to begin with. He's part of the long-term plan. And the, this future, oh, he's going to cost $17 million in a year. We've spent the last last hour of the show talking about how you have to get through 2021 because in 2022 and 2023, the cap goes way up and the CX have $140 million of phony money to play with. So you sign him to an extension that keeps his number in 2021 down, or even lower than it is now, and you let it go up in 2022 and 23 when you can afford to pay him, and it doesn't matter. And you keep the dynamic, game-changing guy that tilts the field. We've had this you conversation before. We, we have had this conversation. <laughs> we had it last week with Dana. You don't, you don't get better by changing the, by the guys who change the game for you. Uh, you cannot have a defense that's made up of all really nice pieces. You have to have those players that you put the pieces around. He's just a very expensive piece. Yeah, but he is a, he's that really nice. So then piece. you would tie up 30% an, of your cap with Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, and Jamal Adams. No, I wouldn't. Because. What happens is by the time the big money for Jamal Adams kicks in, where's Bobby Wagner? Well, the cap is going up too. So the percentage is going to stay relatively level. The percentage will drop down and Bobby Wagner's replacement has already been drafted. He's already on the roster. 
Bobby's got a couple years left in Seattle. Unless he unless he's willing to play for a little less. He's not playing for twenty million dollars in twenty twenty two. All right. So um to sum this thing up, we have cap issues today, but by the time the free agency rolls around, we expect those cap issues to be mostly resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, we expect the league and the players association to probably come together and at least mitigate the very, very worst case scenario cap situation where it says like 178 and probably have that come up closer to 190. That way they're only down 8 million for cap and it's a much easier, smoother ride to get um, a little bit more space available and actually participate in free agency. And then uh, the draft, you know, even if we kept our four picks heading into the draft, I still imagine John Schneider coming out of that draft with seven picks. Yeah. Keith does too. (laughs) (laughs) You can't, those of you in the audio version of this can't see it, but as soon as he said, as as soon as you said that I put up, I had seven fingers up. I'm like, he's, that's that's last year was the least number of picks that Schneider's made, and it was eight. Yeah. Um. This year, I think that seven, unless they make a, a trade, trade, right? And it, it's something where you know you, you, you can't they, you they can't send they send Tyler Lockett for a couple of picks or whatever. Um. And I don't expect that to happen either. But unless something like that happens, I expect seven to be the number you're going to see them move down in round two a few spots mm-hmm. and pick up a fourth. Mm-hmm. You'll see them move down in, in the fourth to pick up a sixth and then they'll move down in the sixth to, you know, right. and, and, and pick up. And they um, could very a well buy and, a, buy a pick in the seventh round if they wanted to buy a yeah, future, like they future did, seventh. Like, right. Yeah. So they'll, they'll do something like that. I think seven is kind of the lucky number. Um, and I think that's not a bad approach because you have a lot less information on this year's draft class than you have in previous years. It's going to be way more of a crapshoot than it ever is and it's always you know pretty hit and miss and random um and so and the drafts this year is pretty strong between the third and sixth round you know that that third fourth fifth round this year is loaded up with with some some strong talent in utilitarian sort of positions uh Mm -hmm. linebacker safety cornerbacks pretty strong this year wide receivers pretty strong i think running backs fairly weak uh offensive lineman is pretty pretty good um as far as depth is concerned tight ends is pretty weak it, unless you're getting that guy in the first couple rounds but you can get a good blocking type tight end all the way into the fifth or sixth round this year um well, the CX, the CX, we talked early on about who is going to benefit the most from the new the new scheme and we i said wilson because i think that's the obvious answer but colby parkinson is the guy that i think yeah is going to, you're, you're going to see, cause he's the second tight end, but look what the Rams did with two tight ends yeah. and both their guys were huge. And, um, I think both yeah, of their tight s- ends outproduce all of Seattle's tight end. Room. I could see, um, Tyler Higby getting cut. Um, or I could see Gerald Everett become available for in free agency and have the Seahawks, uh, pick him up and pair with Disley and Parkinson to, to have a really nice trio. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need that in this offense, I think. And Gerald um, uh, Everett is used to being in line as well as being able to be a pass catcher, and he would pair really nicely in two tight end sets with Disley. Yep. Um, and, and both be you know threats uh, in the receiving game. And then Parkinson's going to be a red zone guy this year for sure. Yep. I would say keeping when, you, when you're looking at free agents that um, 
the Seahawks might go get, right? Um, the guys on offense to, to watch for are going to be people who are with the Rams last year. Um, because we're in similar offenses. Yeah, but uh, you're right. Under, but, the, under um, the Shanahan tree. Yep. Because those guys are, uh, the so guys, Atlanta, some guys have been hanging around Atlanta for a while. Yep. The, the Rams, San Francisco runs a similar set. Gerald, Gerald El- Everett, Malcolm Brown. Um, you know, those are the types of guys, uh, that you could see because they're going to come in. They know the system, they know the scheme, they know the terminology and it just helps everyone around them. Um, like figure it out and, and learn it faster and, and get up to speed. So, yeah, I, I'm going to have to go check the uh, Los Angeles Rams free agent sheet and see who's, who's available. It's, who not they a might long, cut, so. it's not a long list right now. It's actually pretty short, but they are, they're way over the cap. They're going to have to cut a bunch right. of people. So, all right, well, we need to get going. So uh, we do. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you come back next week. We have special guest Rob Staten on from uh from his blog and he does a podcast over with uh with the Seahawkers occasionally and uh, field goals and uh, he's going to be on the show uh to talk uh senior bowl uh prospects and other draft prospects uh coming out of college this year and uh start the conversation uh as we build up towards the draft and we'll start with uh with all those kind of guys and position groups and we'll kind of go through Seattle's roster figure out what we need, what we might be looking at, who fits uh, who fits uh, the Seahawks best, and we'll talk about the new offensive coordinator and the changes there and what we might expect as far as uh, how that uh, changes how we look at prospects and so forth. So find Keith on Twitter, at MyersNFL. I'm at NWSeahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook on Twitter. SeahawksPlaybook.com has all of the shows. And uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and find us on YouTube. So until next time, go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.